Welcome to The Well Podcast. We pray that this message ministers to you and blesses you as you listen. this morning that God dropped um, in my heart a few weeks ago that he spoke to me in prayer and I am excited to deliver it to you and uh, I believe that it'll give us some direction for this season of time that we're in in our society and our culture right now and especially uh, especially here in America we're about to go through uh, what looks to be a transition in the government, and um, and with that comes some unsettled, some uneasiness, uh, some change. Change is not easy, uh, especially when we feel like we're living in a world that's gone a little crazy. And so it's not a political message, but it is what I believe is the heart of God and what He's, who He's calling us to be, and how we should be during this particular, uh, this particular time. And so I want to make this statement as we get started, and trust me, God has already challenged me with this, so, um, you know, we're still working through it, so I'm praying that this penetrates your heart as well, and that you'll pray about it and seek God, and see how he's uh, moving in your particular situation and in your life. So, if you are not praying, and praying with a heart that desires to hear the heart of the Lord, we will miss what God is saying and doing. We'll, we'll pray amiss. We won't uh, pray in the, right, in the right nature from the right place. So I'm just going to say that again. If we are not praying and praying with a heart that desires to hear the heart of the Lord, we will miss what God is saying and doing. Um, if you're not careful, and it's easy to do, it's easy to surround your, yourself with people that think the way you do. A term that we use in our culture now is called an echo chamber. You can create this world around you where all you hear are people that sound like you. And that's really the easiest world to live in, right? We all agree. Nobody challenges me. I don't have to think outside of my particular perspective or idea. But there's a danger in that as well. The risk is that with then if we live inside of that kind of echo chamber and we uh, surround ourselves with people that just think the way that we do, we could all be thinking wrong, you know? We could all not be thinking kingdom-minded. We could all be um, not thinking about what God is thinking about our situation or the present situation that we're in. And so we have to be aware um, of that particular situation. So we risk going into prayer looking for the response we want rather than looking for the voice of the Lord. Have you ever done that? Like, you know, you're like, Lord, I'm, I'm asking, but really I know what I want in this situation. And he says that he wants to give us the, the desires of our heart. And, um, and, but we've got to make sure that those desires, that our heart is of him, and that those desires reflect him. And we should always be able to go back to the word and be able to find it somewhere. It should always be rooted and grounded in love and the word of God. And so um, as we uh, take in and consume many, many different avenues of information nowadays, there are so many ways of getting information that, um, that those can become louder voices than God in our life. We can allow those newsreels, um, preachers, favorite commentaries, social media, 
influencers, all those things can become louder than the voice of God. And, and the heavens, we talked about this a few weeks ago, the heavens are roaring. The heavens are loud. But we often have to quiet ourselves in order to hear that roar. Because we can create this chaos around us or just the noise that becomes such a distraction that it keeps us from being able to really hear what God is speaking to us. And so we need to come to him saying, what is God saying? What, is he, what does he have to say about this particular situation? And then we have to make sure that it doesn't just line up with our feelings like that. That felt like a good answer, you know. We can't just go based on our, on our feelings. But we really need to know God. And so as I was thinking through this and meditating on it, he took me to the Lord's Prayer. And I'm actually not going to read the Lord's Prayer because we can kind of, um, if you've been in church for a while or you've been around situations where that, that is recited often, because he he, Jesus did say, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father who is in heaven, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> But I looked at that, I started to think about and meditate on some of the, the big chunks of that prayer. And I decided that in, instead of me just repetitiously saying that prayer, how can I personalize that under the same premise of what is written? So then I'm not looking at a particular translation that someone else rewrote from the original from what Jesus said, but I can look at it from my perspective. I can let it become a real inside of me and activate it inside of me. And so this, I challenge you and charge you to do the same thing, to look at the Lord's Prayer and read it. But then instead of it just being words that we can recite at a public event where it's allowed or, you know, in a church situation where we just say that prayer repetitious, that we allow, we create words that mean something to us. That means something to us. And so I'm just going to read what kind of flowed from me personally. And I'm laying a foundation because there's somewhere I want us to go. So. so it says, however, when we pray, pray like this. And so my prayer is, my Father, great and mighty is your name, Jehovah, Yahweh, Elohim. There is no greater name anywhere you are full of wisdom and understanding, greater than my earthly brain can fully understand. Therefore, Father, let it be as you will it to be. Just like your kingdom in heaven, we want that on earth. I want that on earth. I know that you will give us what I need for each day. That you will guide us and direct us. We are thankful for your forgiveness and your understanding. And that is, and all of that is in my best interest to forgive others and extend your mercy in their direction. As I continue to move towards you, I know that you move further, that I move further from my own desires. You are the deliverer. You will not leave me in my sin, but you have delivered me from those things that would keep me bound. Because it, because it is for your glory and your kingdom. Amen. And, you know, uh, the Lord's Prayer is a roadmap to prayer. And what it causes us to do is that it allows us to then um, take our focus off of us and what we're looking to see, and it puts our focus on him. 
Lord, I recognize who you are. I call out the names of who you are. I recognize that. And I recognize that, that I need to be forgiven. And at the same time, I need to forgive other people. And that you will provide. How many times do we need to, to hear that in our own life? Because we get in the midst of situations and circumstances. We look at the world around us. We look at our bills. Whatever it is, we begin to look at those things and we, we take our eyes off of him. And when we say a prayer like this, it's reminding our heart and our mind that he is the provider, that he provides for us. And then when we feel that anger and frustration that we want to place on other people, we can be reminded that he forgave us and that he says that we should forgive others as much, right? So that it becomes less about us and them, but more about us putting our eyes on the king putting our eyes on Jehovah, putting our eyes on Yahweh. And here's, the, here's something as well, and some of us may be better at this than others, but when you go in to pray, don't talk the whole time. Listen. If you're praying, a lot of, he says, bring your petitions, bring your requests to me. That's what he says. But we got to shut it. So we can hear him speak back to us. If we're so busy telling him the answer that we want, then where is that time of reflection where we can hear what he's really speaking to us? Right? So make sure that when you are praying that you allow him to speak back to you. So there's something as I was kind of preparing for this and, and, uh, and as I want to share the word that God has given me, this, the term strongholds came up. And strongholds, if you look at it like the, the definition for it, it actually says it's a fortified fortress. It is not meant to be penetrated or destroyed. It is meant to be, uh, you know, we used to call it what, Fort Knox? Like, like this, this thing is locked up tighter than Fort Knox is what we'd say in the South. I don't know if y'all Northerners say those kind of things, but we're really good at cliches. And... Uh, but it's that, it's that situation, you know, where you, it's not penetratable in the natural. But scripture says that we can pull down strongholds and we can destroy those in the spirit. So even though the situation that we may be in right now, even in our culture and in our society, maybe even in our homes, that seems impossible, that seems like a stronghold, and we can have those in our mind. The, ways, the way that we think or the way that we look at a certain situation. But scripture tells me that through Christ, we can break those strongholds. We can break down those fortified walls that feel like they, they hinder us and hold us back. And I think that's very important when we are looking at the situation that does seem. You know, we have to be really careful that we don't allow our eyes to stay on the things that are just happening but that we recognize that, um, that there's something going on outside of that that we can't readily see in the natural. So in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 and 4, it says, For although we live in the natural realm, we do not wage a military campaign employing human weapons using manipulation to achieve our aims. 
Instead, our spiritual weapons are energized with divine power to effectively dismantle the defenses behind which people hide. I thought that was really, really good. We can so turn our eyes on people that we forget that there's a stronghold that's working underneath there, that there's this weapon of darkness that's stirring the pot, so to speak, and it'll cause us to get our eyes on people and we'll miss the real battle, the real battle that's in front of us. And so we can't allow ourselves to just focus on the, the people, the people. That, that is a detriment to us. That is a detriment to us. Again, it is with principalities and rulers of the unseen world that we wage war against. Not people. The principalities want us to believe the stronghold is a person or a group of people. And it is not. And that's, and that's in Ephesians 6.12 if you take notes. So we know that our weapons are mighty in pulling down strongholds. But we got to know what those weapons are. And then we have to know what the battle is with. And it's with principalities and rulers of the dark world. That's, that's, where, that's what we're battling. Here's the deal. We've got to remember that Jesus came to save all people. All people. Even those people. Do you know who those people are? He came to save those people. Whomever they may be. And you might have a list in your head. But he came to save them too. He loves them. And we have to remember that, that they're just being used as pawns and puppets in the scheme and the assignment of the enemy. And we don't want to be that same puppet that causes anger and frustration to brew inside of us. Do we want to retaliate against someone else? Because if you remember back here in, uh, in 2 Corinthians, it says, We do not wage a military campaign employing human weapons. It says it right there. That's not how we fight our battles. That's not how we do it. Why don't we do it? Because it's futile. It's futile. We'll win that physical battle to just get into another one. Because the only true peace is found in our Savior, right? That's the only true peace. So we cannot look at the world to answer. When the world does not hold the answer. We cannot look to them for that answer. Yes, there are things that we can do to make things better. There are absolutely things that we can do. God is a righteous and just father. And there are things that we can do. But at the core and the root issue, it's a principalities issue. It's a principalities issue. It's not a Democrat or Republican issue. It's not... Um, a Black Lives Matter and a Proud Boys issue. It's not conservative or liberal. It's not, um, those things are all designed to pin us against each other, to further cause division. And God is a God of unity and love. That's what he's looking for. That's what he's looking for. I mean, take marriage for an example. Marriage is hard. It's hard. I, you know, I joke about the fact that there are some days, you know, I want to hurt him, you know. 
because he's not perfect like me. <laughs> but for real, the one thing that God has ordained marriage is a beautiful covenant. It's a beautiful covenant, but strife is so thick and heavy sometimes in marriage. The enemy wants to fight against that so hard because he knows it's a beautiful thing that he created and designed for us to fulfill the character and the nature of God, to bring man and woman together. It's incredible. It's the fullness of his glory on the earth. The fullness of his character is placed when man and woman come together. Do you think the enemy likes that? He does not. And if unity is where his glory will come from, because we've talked a lot about Romans 8 in here, verses 18 through 28, I think. And we know that the earth is groaning for a greater measure of his glory, but that I do believe that that comes in unity. You'll hear me say that a lot. And so we have to see the way the world, the principalities, the rulers of darkness, want to pin us against each other so that we're not able to obtain that unity. We're so quick to look at our differences that we can find no common ground. Or appreciate the differences. Okay, so a few weeks ago, um, I attended a prayer service and God, God spoke to me during that prayer service. And I really had to work have you ever gone into prayer and you're like man I just feel very distracted and it's like I can't I can't focus and um and so I had to like get on the floor and and literally like where I couldn't see anything else because I couldn't block out the distractions it wasn't a person it was just what was happening you know, in the atmosphere or in my mind or in myself. I just couldn't do that. So I had to put myself in a posture where I could hear from God. And then I had to wait, you know. I had to wait and I had to listen. And I, I, I didn't need to go to him with these preconceived answers, you know. Not the preconceived ideas like, oh, I really want to buy a boat. God, can I buy that boat, Right? And then we're like, well, Lord, if I bought that boat, I could use that as an evangelistic tool. You know, I could take people out on that thing. And we could talk about how you are fishers of men. And we could be reeling in those big fish. God, I would use that thing for you. Like we're trying to convince him to tell us yes. Right? And then we're really trying to convince ourselves why it's okay. It's okay to have a boat. I'm just using that as an example. And in our life, Wade wanted a boat. And it held a very, it held a very, very deep tender place to him he lost his father that was something that he and his dad enjoyed doing he wanted to make those memories with his own family he just wanted to buy a boat you know there's nothing no ill will we weren't even going to go into debt for it we were going to pay cash for it none of that but you know what God did he said give it to me he said release it to me and he didn't say those words but he gave way to vision and so we released that and we sowed that, those finances that we were going to get, that we were going to pay for that boat. We gave those. And you know that within three months, Wade got his boat. So sometimes it's just us listening to what, he wasn't telling Wade, no, you can't have a boat. But he's saying, I got a, I got a better plan. I'm going to do this for you and that. 
So we just have to give him space to, to listen, to hear, to speak. We've got to give him space to speak to us. Okay. So um, I was really grateful. Um, Ken hosted a prayer night a few weeks ago. I was grateful to be able to go to that because I, I believe that we're stepping into a season that we've got to pray because there are too many voices there are too many voices speaking. And if we don't pray, we will not know what God is doing in this time. We'll be like, God, what are you doing? Right? And it's okay to ask those questions. And so I went and I, I was able to I, hear from God. And it's not like, uh, you know, I'm not going to stand up here and tell you he's going to be the next president. <laughs> I'm not, anyway. Okay. <laughs> but so... Um, but this is what he said to me. He said, um, this is what I heard. This is what, it wasn't like, thus saith the Lord. But he began to prompt questions inside of me. And, and bring back to my remembrance stories in the Bible. And it, and it, and it was this. He said, any time God allowed something that appeared to be contrary to what would seem like the hand of God, it was for the ultimate good of the people. So just because what we see with our eyes that looks like it's contrary to the word of God doesn't mean that God is not working in that and through that. He is always working in those situations to bring people back to God. I often pray, heaven come. I just, it's in my, my gut, like heaven come. You know, whatever it looks like, Lord, we want heaven on earth. We want more of your presence, more of your power. We want everything that you have for us. And so that's often my prayer. And he said, what if a situation like that, where it looks like where is God, precedes heaven coming? What if all of this is aligning us for heaven to come in greater measure? But what we can allow ourselves to do is to get so discouraged and lost in what it looks like that we can't understand that God is working and moving in it all. What if the thing, this is another question, what if the thing that doesn't look like we want it to is actually God doing the best work. In the middle of those times, it's easy to ask the question, why this way? And all I could hear was the word Habakkuk, an Old Testament prophet. I really have always loved that book of the Bible because Habakkuk had the kind of relationship with God that I think maybe mirrors my relationship. And that is Habakkuk could go to God and ask him a question. And, you know, and there was a time we were raised in the church where people were like, you don't question God. Well, that's not true. <laughs> it's, he wants to answer our questions. He wants to answer our longings. And so in the book of Habakkuk, Habakkuk opens up with this, Lord, what are you doing? Where are you, Lord? The world has gone crazy, literally. The Israelites have turned their back on you. You are nowhere to be found. People are acting crazy. That's the way the book opens up. And I was like, oh, Lord, I kind of feel like the world's acting crazy, you know, <laughs> for real. And so 
Um, and so in Habakkuk 1, verse 2 through 5, it says this. This is the message that the prophet Habakkuk received in a vision. How long, O Lord, must I call for help? Like, where are you, Lord? We're praying, but where are you? But you do not listen. Violence is everywhere. I cry, but you do not come to save. Must I forever see these evil deeds? Why must I watch all this misery? Wherever I look, I see destruction and violence. I'm surrounded by people who love to argue and fight. Can I get an amen? The law has become paralyzed. And there is no justice in the courts. The wicked far outnumber the righteous so that justice has become perverted. The Lord replied, look around at the nations. Look and be amazed for I am doing something in your own day. Something you wouldn't believe even if someone told you about it. God is very aware of what is going on. And we may not be able to see exactly how he's working and moving in this. But he absolutely is working and he is moving. And he knows what he's doing. We have to trust him. It's like the Lord's Prayer. Father, I recognize I am undone without you. That I need you. I recognize that that is who you are. Because in my intellect, when, the, when I look at the world, it does not make sense. Where are you, Lord? That's what we want to cry. But I'm thinking that our prayer should be, Lord, I see what's going on in this world with my eyes. And how are we supposed to navigate through this? What are you doing, God? And how can I be a part of that? How can I be a part about bringing your kingdom to the earth? In the second chapter of Habakkuk, he makes a stand. Habakkuk does. Um, he declares to God um, and himself that he's going to wait. Uh, this is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. It's Habakkuk 2.1. And it says, I will wait for you to answer. I will not be moved by my emotions or the things that I see around me. But I will be like a watchman on the wall. We will be deceived by our feelings and our emotions. They will lead us astray. We will be lost and anxious and angry and depressed <laughs> if we follow our emotions. But instead, he said, I will be like a watchman on the wall. When a watchman was placed on a wall, they were there to look and to see and to protect. They were there to, to look out and see where the enemy was, to watch for them, and then to protect. They would pray and intercede, and they would listen for, for heaven to speak. And so I think that's who we need to be. That's who we need to be. We need to be watching and listening and waiting for him. And so it should be our cry that we will not get caught up in the frenzy of the chaos. But we make the declaration that we'll wait. We'll wait and see what he has to say. We'll wait and see what God has to say and how he's moving. What is his explanation? What is his plan? And here's what God had to say to the prophet. In Habakkuk chapter 2, verses 2 and 3. You can read the whole thing. Obviously, I'm not going to read all three chapters. But I'm going to hit some highlights for you. Pique your interest. 
It says, Then the Lord said to me, Write my answer plainly on tablets so that a runner can carry the correct message, the correct message to others. Not commentary and opinions and all of those things, but the correct message. This vision is for a future time. It describes the end and it will be fulfilled. Not it might be fulfilled. It will be fulfilled. If it seems slow in coming, because we are not very patient, right? Wait patiently, for it will surely take place. It will not be delayed. It may look delayed to us, but he is on time. God is on time. And what looks like delay to us, like, Lord, you know, he's like, I'm on time. You just wait patiently. I'm not cooking this in a microwave or a pressure cooker. I got some things to line up. I got some things to do. And so you just wait patiently and I'll be on time. Can we rest in that? Can we find a place where we can rest in knowing that he is on time and that he's working? So when everything does feel like it's been shaken, right? We feel like we've been in one of those martini shakers. I don't even drink martinis, but that's what I thought of. Protein shakers with that ball in there. <laughs> These are so fun when you put them out for the whole world to hear and you say crazy things like that. But anyway, <laughs> but we've all seen it in the movies. You know, they shake them. It's such a cute little thing. You know, they put it on there and shake it you shake it up really good. And <laughs> it can feel like our world has done that. Like we've been put in a shaker and we're just, they're just shaking that thing up really, really good. Right? And in, um, and in Hebrews chapter 12, I'm actually just going to skip down. I mean, it's, it's all really good. Write down Hebrews chapter 12, verses 18 through 29. Read that this week. But I'm going to skip on over to... Um, To the end of verse 24, I think. The first part of verse 24. It says this. You have come to Jesus. He's speaking to us. We have come to Jesus, the one who mediates the new covenant between God and people. He's talking about Jesus here. And the sprinkled blood, which speaks for forgiveness instead of crying out for vengeance like the blood of Abel. We should, it speaks... For forgiveness, not vengeance. Why? What are we doing? We shouldn't be looking for vengeance. We should be looking for God to send his forgiveness. 25 says, be careful that you do not refuse to listen to the one who is speaking. For if the people of Israel did not escape when they refused to listen to Moses the earthly messenger, we will certainly not escape if we reject the one who speaks to us from heaven. Are we listening for him to speak? Verse 26, when God spoke from Mount Sinai, his voice shook the earth. But now he makes another promise. Once again, I will shake not only the earth, but the heavens also. He's shaking everything. Can you not sense that? I mean, we, he is shaking everything. And it goes on to say that all that will remain are the unshakable things. And those are the things of heaven. 
Those are the unshakable things. That's, he may shake it all up, but we got to know that he's on time and that the unshakable things will be the things that remain, the things that remain, that are important for us. Those are the things that we need to keep our eyes on are the unshakable things. God, the Father, Jesus, Holy Spirit, heaven. We got to focus on those things, the unshakable. So what do we take from the shaking? We take that after the shaking, we're left with heaven. We're left with heaven unshakable father and so when you say whatever it looks like whatever it looks like Lord we're going to keep our eyes on you we're going to set ourselves as a watchman we're going to wait to hear from you we're going to believe that you are working in this and for us for your kingdom to come that we're not going to wage war against each other but we're going to wage war against principalities and rulers of darkness. Those are the things that we're going to do because that is who we are. That is who we are. In Habakkuk, God goes on to tell him how he will right the wrongs and he will set in place his righteousness. That's good. We need to know that because it feels like there's a lot of wrongs right now. It feels like there are a lot. But he said he will right those wrongs and set in place the righteous. And chapter 3 becomes Habakkuk's song of praise. Because what can we do when the waves are raging and the storms are coming? We praise him. We praise him and we lift our eyes to heaven. So in Habakkuk 3, he sets his sights on God and he begins to declare, I have heard all about you, Lord. I am filled with awe by your amazing works. In this time of our deep need, help us again as you did in years gone by. I think that's interesting because they had to remember the history. What's your history with him? What does the history of the Bible tell us? That he is always faithful. He always protects the righteous. He always keeps the righteous. In Habakkuk 3.8, he says, Habakkuk, I have heard all about you, Lord. I am filled with awe by your amazing works. In this time of deep need, help us again. Would you help us again, Lord? We're in a place of deep need. And, and, and we want to be in awe of your works and how you do things and how you move and how you function and how you flow. And we want praise to be continually on our lips. We want praise to be there. We want to have faith to know that faith is the things that we cannot see. That's faith, right? We can see it. It doesn't take faith to believe it. If we see it, it doesn't take faith to believe it. But it takes faith to believe what you can't see, but what you know. But what you know about God and who he is and his character and his nature.
Those are the things that we have to put our faith in. We have to remember that he wants to move on the hearts of the people. Remember that it's not our agenda, but it's his plan. Even when we can't see it with our eyes, that he is moving and he is working, and we need to get on board with his plan. We need to get on board with what he's doing. All this turmoil and angst and worry will subside if we'll look to heaven and we'll listen and we won't wage war with each other. Don't wage war with each other. God is not in that. He is not in that. So I have a couple of scriptures. And then we're going to sing a song and I'll be done. <laughs> Thanks, honey. <laughs> so we climb up on the wall and we wait and listen and we declare praise. In Proverbs chapter 3, verses 25 through 26, I... I you know, if you are a note taker and you find yourself in despair at times and discouragement, I encourage you to write these down. And on those moments when you forget, when you fall prey to the enemy and you get overwhelmed and you can't see God in the situation, go back to these scriptures. Go back to the word of God. And in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 25 and 26, it says, You need not be afraid of sudden disaster or the destruction that comes upon the wicked. For the Lord is your security. He will keep your foot from being caught in a trap. In Psalm 71.5, it says, Oh, Lord, you alone are my hope. Where is our hope? In him alone is our hope. I've trusted you, O oh Lord, from childhood. In Psalms 33, verse 20 through 22, we put our hope in the Lord. He is our help. In our shield. In him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in his holy name. Let your unfailing love surround us, Lord, for our hope is in you alone. We have to remember where our hope lies and allow him to do that work in you. We have to ready our hearts for a harvest that is coming. That is coming. And I feel certain he is aligning things so that that will happen. Let's not allow idols, those, that worry and that all that fretting. We can allow those to become bigger than God. And anything that we allow in our life that is bigger than God is an idol. Our hope is in Christ. Our hope is in Christ. So as I was preparing this over the last two weeks, there have been two songs that have just, well, three, three songs. I'm going to tell you my playlist. Three songs that have just been um, bumping around in my spirit, and I've been listening to them a lot. And that is Rattle by Elevation, um, Promises by Maverick City, and Cornerstone and the Hillsong version. And so today, Wade talked about the Cornerstone last week, and we don't understand the Cornerstone theory in today's standards but in jesus time the cornerstone everything was built off of the cornerstone the cornerstone was placed and how sure up that building was was based on that cornerstone and so when we sing about him being our cornerstone we're sure up by where we place him in our life 
And so I want us to sing this song. If you don't know it, that's okay. You can just listen. But if you don't mind, I'm sure the kids will love it. Let's just stand up, allow them to move around if they want to. But let's just remember we're a watchman on the wall. And we're keeping our eyes set on him. And he is our hope. He is our hope. In him alone. In him alone. We want to thank you for listening in today. At The Well, we believe in cultivating a culture for more of God. Wherever you are in your relationship and walk with God, we believe that there is always more for those who diligently seek after Him. If you would like to find out more, please check out our website at thewellmichigan.com and connect with us on social media.